Welcome to the Sales Career Podcast. This is your host, Kevin Hopp. Whether you're an executive, sales leader, or just getting your career in sales started, I'm here to help you read between the lines and hear the real stories that you can't get from a resume or from a LinkedIn profile, all designed to help you shape your own sales career. Let's dive right into today's episode and see what we can learn. All right, welcome to another edition of the Sales Career Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Hopp. Joining me today is a guy that I met on LinkedIn, but I might have met him in the Inside Sales Hall of Fame as well, where I think he will have a a, a bust of himself. Uh, Kevin Gaither is joining us. He is a gentleman that has uh, had a number of roles across a number of companies, most Recently, I believe it was ZipRecruiter that you took public, which is really exciting. I want to hear all about that. Either way, a guy that uh, I'm looking looking forward to, to getting into this discussion with. But more importantly, I, I think someone that if you're listening to this podcast, he's someone that has been there and done that and is at the tail end of a career that is pretty incredible. Everyone, please welcome the great and powerful Kevin Gay there. How are we doing? Woo. <laughs> Great and powerful Oz. Don't look behind the curtain, for God's sakes. Hey, uh, thanks so much, Kevin, for having me on the show. And thanks for kicking my butt in golf last week. That's uh, meets expectations of my golf game, actually. Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, that was, uh, that was, that was a unique treat to get to come and play golf in Calabasas with you there. And uh, I, I had a good yeah. day. What can I say? I mean, you saw it was, it was a good day on the course. It was a good, a good day for you, and it was just a good day to get out there. And we got to know each other better. You know, two two inside salespeople, uh, two Kevin's getting to know each other, and uh, two Kevin's. That's right. Never met a Kevin I didn't like. That's right. All right, so let's jump in. The first question I always ask, you know, there's a lot of people listening to this that have never heard of you. So tell tell us your career story mm-hmm. in about two minutes. Like, what's the KG story here? Yeah, the God's honest truth here, Kevin, is that uh, when I was growing up, nobody ever said that I should be in sales. Sales scared the living daylights out of me. And I went to school, graduated with a degree in architecture. And in my last quarter of my senior year, my super senior year, my fifth year, I found out that architects, regardless of experience, make an average of $50,000 a year. A year. And I thought that's no way to go through life. And so I went in, I got into customer service because that was the only job I can get for 10 bucks an hour at the time. And, uh, but I was really, really frustrated by the fact that the person next to me wearing a headset, answering the same questions that I was answering, what got paid a dollar more per hour than I did. And I, and I thought to myself, how in the world am I going to be able to like control my income? I, I'm working harder than him. I scored higher than him. Um, I'm training other people and he's not training anybody, but he gets paid more than me. How can I control my income through my own effort? And it was either start my own business or get into sales. And I didn't have the guts or an idea or the funding to start my own business. And so I got into sales and Kevin, it scared the daylights out of me, but I knew that I could outwork anybody and outread anybody and learn faster than anybody. And, uh, and so I went on a quest of continuous learning and, uh, and that has served me right over the, over the years and led me, uh, into sales leadership at an early, uh, at an early age, 97 is when I first got into sales leadership, Kevin. Um, and I've been at startups, early stage startups, my, my entire career. And that, 
that has uh, really switched me on. So now I look back on it, Kevin, and I go, gosh, I architect revenue now. I'm not an architect, but I architect revenue. And I'm in a career now that has um, uh, served me right over the last 25 plus, uh, you know, plus years being in sales, being in sales leadership and uh, and working exclusively with their early stage stage startups. So, so it's it's been a wild wild ride from being scared as hell to being super so successful. So one of the reasons, you know, one of the things that uh, I want people to to realize about KG is that you're you're retired now, right? Effectively retired and you you do consulting when you want to, but you you retired at what age? 51. 51. 51. Uh, I I had I'm 52 now, and is that the right cut? Did I? No, no, I retired at 50. Actually, now that I'm doing my math incorrectly, uh, so uh, officially I retired in um, uh, April of 2021, which was uh, uh, age age 50. I had actually set a goal when I was right out of school, Kevin, to retire by the age of 52 with a certain dollar amount, uh, you know, in the, in the bank. And, uh, Hey, guess what? Big goals. I set a big goal for myself and I exceeded that own my own goal, uh, by retiring by the age of 50. But, you know, the classification of retirement, Kevin is, is, uh, uh, you know, I struggled with that for a long, long time. What does that actually mean? And it only hit me in the last year and a half that I've now that I've been retired, what it actually means. And Kevin, it really just means freedom of choice, to spend my time with who I want to spend my time with, work on the things that I want to work on. And, uh, and that has been the biggest realization. And so, you know, I don't sit around watching Netflix all yeah. day long. Uh, I'm, I'm working with leaders like CEOs and heads of sales at early stage startups. And I help them build and scale their inside sales teams in the United States. And I keep myself extremely busy. I've got eight advising clients um, now. Um, and, and I just love it. I love it. So yeah, I'm retired, but, but I'm also part-time advising early stage startups as they're building and scaling their, um, their, their inside sales teams, which is just switches me on to help people out. Totally. Totally. And you know, I, I, I never want to retire and, and sit on the couch. I, I want to do what you did, which is join a golf club and get really active and, and go golfing all the time. And then Choose to spend your time exactly how you want to do it, which, you know, I think is the the scourge of capitalism is that you really do give a large percentage of your waking hours to building most of the time, most of the time you're building someone else's worth, right? Like you're building a company where you're not a majority equity yeah. stakeholder and someone's going to get, someone's going to make a lot of money on it. Maybe, who knows, right? But it's, it's the whole idea. And I, I, I have a lot of friends that are my age, right? You know, anywhere from six to eight years into their career. I'm, I'm almost nine years into my career here that start to look at that and go, oh, man, like grinding for someone else sucks. And some some people are, are you know, stupid like me <laughs> and go out on their own at an early age and, and try to find their place in it. But uh, I'm, I'm curious. So one of the other questions I ask here. So in all the roles you've had, you've had a bunch of different roles. You mentioned sales or early stage startups. What was the most difficult sales job that you had and, and what made it so difficult? What can, what can we learn from that? Uh, so early on in my career, the first seven years of my career, I spent in the equipment leasing and finance business. Um, and think of it as simply as 
Um, if you're a finance person, like a controller, a treasurer, or a VP of finance, and you're buying capital equipment for your business, um, computers, software, phone systems, manufacturing equipment, um, you can choose to pay cash for it. You can go get a loan at the bank or uh, for, for accounting benefits and, and other cash flow benefits, you can choose to lease um, that, that equipment. Um, and it was one of the hardest jobs in my life for two reasons. I was at three different companies, okay, three different companies. It was my, my, the basis of my sales career. One, it was very much of a commoditized product. It came down to rate and terms. And so there was very little, uh, very little that, uh, that could be added to the equation that wasn't just driven by rate or low payment. I mean, think when you're, you know, if you're going to go lease a car, you're like, okay, what's the lowest monthly payment I can get to get out of the you know, door with this Lexus or you know, whatever it might be, you know? And so, so those kinds of conversations made selling that product very, very difficult. But I'll tell you what else made it 10 times more difficult. The equipment leasing and finance business, Kevin, is unbelievably unethical. Ooh. And I went through three different companies to try and find like an ethical company where at the end of the day, I can look at myself in the mirror and believe that I wasn't screwing my customers over. When I realized that, you know, this first company, I was like, wow, we're screwing customers over. I'm going to go to another company. And I went to that other company and I was like, okay, how, how can I build this differently and not be unethical? And, and it was, and I, it was not possible. <laughs> and so I went to another company that I thought was going to be ethical. And then I realized, oh my God, this whole industry is unbelievably unethical and it made it difficult for me. I was making more money than my, per, my peers, more money than, than, than I could have dreamed of been of making at that time, getting into sales for the first time, you know, hundred grand, hundred grand, hundred grand at age 25, that's, which back in 1995, that's, that's still a lot. That's still um, a big milestone. Six figures is a huge milestone early in your career. It's still, that's right. But knowing that my customers were getting screwed, was very difficult once I started realizing like this money that I'm making, this outsized money that I'm making as a result of, of customers getting screwed. And so it made it very difficult for me to sell in that industry. And finally, I just had to leave. Finally, I got out of it. I mean, I, again, I, I went from company to company, three different companies. And it was so a commoditized product where you could only be successful if you screwed customers over. And, uh, and, and I, and I had to get out of it and I did. And I, so at age 20, 21, at age 21, I decided, sorry, 31, excuse me, 31. I decided to switch industries. Yeah. <laughs> what am I stupid? Yeah. <laughs> the, so, so it was September of 2001 and I leave this company, Kevin. And the dot-com bubble had burst. 9-11 had just happened. Things were unbelievably, my wife was pregnant. I had just gotten married a year earlier. And I was like, going on at once. And then I, and I, and then I leave this job. I just left this job that I was in, in this industry that I'd been in for seven years, making a decision to switch industries. <laughs> What am I, I don't stupid? Know. Are you? That sounds sounds incre incredibly it, risky. One of the best one of the best decisions I ever made in my entire life. And I went into pay per click advertising, and I knew nothing about pay per click advertising. 
small world, Kevin. This is where I keep smiling and I, and I, and I am nice to everyone and I help everyone because my former boss in the industry, in the, in the equipment leasing and finance industry happened to bump into my future boss at a dog park in Brentwood in Southern California here. And they figured out that, that they knew me. And my old boss said, he's fantastic. You should hire him if you can. And so this guy, this new boss gave me a shot in this industry that I, I didn't know anything about this industry, but he knew that I could sell and he knew that I knew inside sales and that's what he was looking to build. And, uh, it was one of the best decisions that uh, that that uh, that I could have ever made was leaving this industry that was commoditized and unethical, in spite of all those things that were happening. Nine eleven, wife pregnant, just got married, um, dot com bubble bursting, and and it was one of the best decisions I'd ever made. Quitting was one of the best decisions that I, I ever made. I believe it, and it's it's actually like kind of a theme, right? We're, we're coming on episode fifty of the podcast here, so I've. I've had a, a number of folks on here say things about kind of taking a, a calculated risk. And it does seem like there's a big theme in a lot of the, the better outcomes and the better turns of events that have happened in people's careers all come from taking a bit of a, a bit of a calculated risk. Right. And I talked to some of my friends about this that are in my peer group and, you know, it, there, there's, there's kind of two types of people in my peer group right now. It's the people who have, had one or two jobs in the first eight years of their career, or there's people like me who've had six <laughs> in eight years. And it's funny because the one or two job yeah. people kind of tend to poo poo and frown on, on guys like me, but they, I don't know any of them that are making the kind of money that I make or, or that some of the, my other friends that have been a bit more like taking risks and joining this small startup and going to consulting or whatever yeah. it is. There's, there's always a, always good things. If you take calculated risks, um, I love that. I love that. Totally, totally, totally agree. Two, two things to say that Kevin, there is a, uh, here it is. It, this is literally on my, this is literally in my, in my, in my, on the nut library, the dip. Read, read, read the subtitle. Uh, I can't read it very well. Can you, can you read it to me? Yeah. It's a little book that teaches you when to quit and when to stick. Huh. And I wish I had read this book a long time ago because the representation here is, you know, quitting something when it's not working out so well usually turns into this chart up and to the right type of moment where great things happen when you go, this isn't cool. I don't like what I'm doing. It's I'm not happy what I'm doing. I'm pain. I'm in pain when I'm doing. I'm not mentally healthy when I'm doing. Just fill in the blanks with, you know, not being successful, whatever the heck that means. And then quitting oftentimes turns into this amazing event where it ends up being better than it was. And that has been a truism in my career to where I've actually learned, you know, growing up playing sports, by the way, hey, Kevin, fill in the blanks here. Winners never quit and- Winners never win. And that's a load of horseshit, excuse my <laughs> language. And that, and that is an absolute load of, load of horseshit, but it's hard for a lot of people, especially those that grew up in a competitive background. It's hard for people, Kevin, to realize that um, sometimes winners have quit in the past. They quit doing the things that they're not successful at in order to focus on things that are far more successful. And so I've, I, I've learned that. And when I quit that industry where I, it was very difficult, commoditized, unethical and it just didn't suit me 
quitting was one of the best things I ever did. And I took that as a learning lesson. And I've done that two additional times now in my, in my career where I took a job and two and a half months twice and two and a half months into the job, I go, screw this. This isn't the right place for me. And every time I've done it, it's turned into something much, much better. And your friends that poop, you know, two jobs in eight years that are poo-pooing you, that's disregard that yeah. entirely because, uh, disregard it entirely. Uh, because, um, because you're going to try new things and you're going to find that niche, you you know, a new client. Hey, that's, this client isn't the right for me. Let's go do a new client or uh, maybe you'll take another job in the, you know, in the, in the future. It's, it's, it's baloney because you're going to learn, learn from those mistakes. And you'll learn that when you identify that it's just like not working, trying to work your way into success where you're like, I'm not happy. I'm not healthy. This is, you know, maybe there's not product market fit, but you're going to, you're going to grind it out yeah. anyway. It, for me, right. doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. And better things happen when you stop doing the thing you're not successful at and, and moving on to something else. I couldn't agree more. So I, I've, uh, the last, in the last like three or four jobs I've had, full-time jobs, I've quit twice and I got fired twice, fired, lit off, whatever you want to call it. But the two times I quit, it's funny you mentioned product market fit because one time was for product market fit. My VP of sales sat me down and said, Kevin, you did a great job. You got eight enterprise clients into these pilot agreements. None of the eight are going to convert to paying customers because we're not there yet. And I, and I said, yeah. okay, so, but I get commission, right? It's like, I think we're about, I think you're about six to nine months away from making real commission. But don't worry. Don't worry. We got accounts for you to manage. We got stuff for you to do. Like your job is safe. And I walked out of that saying, okay, cool. I got a job making 55K with zero upside. And within, within a month, I, I quit for corporate America. And the other time is a boss, right? Like understanding that the person in front of you either doesn't have your best interest in mind or you're, it's just going to be like this, 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 this. And in a small organization, I, I've quit because I just said, I don't believe in the leadership. You know, if, you're, if your leadership is not growing yeah. in the way that yeah. you want the boat to go, Look, like you, it's power dynamics. So, well, let's let's change gears here, and let me ask you a question that I that I like to ask people. I, I don't know the answer for you. I, I don't think I know. So, have you ever been fired or, or laid off? And if so, what what's something that we can learn from your experience of, of getting let go involuntarily? Yeah, in fact, I was I was being nice um, the first time uh, I got fired from. So I was in that third job in the equipment leasing space, mm -hmm. and uh, and I and I got and I got fired. The CEO pulled me into his office. He smoked in his office, by the way, so I can't help but like do the you know the physical impression. Like he's sitting there um, smoking in the office, and he says, "Yeah." I just don't think this is working out. We're going in a different, a different direction. I was, I was, I was hitting, uh, hitting quota, crushing quota, bringing in more. They never set quotas. So I set a quota for myself of $5 million of, of bookings. I exceeded that number just wasn't, wasn't good enough. And there he was, you know, and I was pissed wife pregnant. Yeah, all that going on. Just actually also just bought a new SUV in anticipation of, you know, just got you know, all those things happening. 
9-11 happening and he goes and he fires me for about 24 hours. I was incensed. And then all of a sudden it hit me. I was like, wait a minute. I wasn't happy. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't happy. You know? And it made me realize that just because I was, so there were several learning lessons out of this. Okay. The one we've already beat to a dead pulp, which is like sometimes quitting is one of the better things that can ever, you know, ever sure. happen. But it also made me realize that I, um, switching industries, um, you know, is doable. Focus on, I focused on what my core skill set was. And then I found a company, I, you know, I sought out companies where they were looking for hardcore inside sales, grinding, smiling and dialing, selling a, you know, selling a product that was ethically driven, you know? So like, so what, what ended up happening with that, and now I teach people this all the time, young job seekers get really, really clear. So here's a message for your, your listeners. When you're looking for a job, the worst thing you can say is, so do you know of anybody that's looking to hire salespeople? That's like the worst thing you can say. Why? Because it is so nonspecific that literally nobody yeah. can help you. Yeah. You can go work at Verizon Wireless in the mall because I know that, is that what you're looking for? Well, that's not really what I'm looking for. Ah, now go sit down and spend time delineating what your mission statement is. And I teach this all the time, Kevin. So here's your pro tip for your listeners. Where, where do you want this company located? Is it important that they're local so that you're in the office? Is remote or hybrid important to you? What kind of culture do you want? What kind of product are you looking to sell? Are you looking to sell um, half million dollar enterprise software? Are you looking to sell jets? Are you looking to sell a transactional type of product like GoDaddy web hosting, where you're doing like three deals a day and you're sitting on a dialer? You know, it's, you know, what kind of benefits are important to you? 401k with matching? Is that important to you? Um, you know, what, uh, what kind of base salary? What kind of commission plan? And the more specific you can get about delineating those things and then writing them down, the better you can then go to somebody and say, hey, Kevin, Kevin Hopp. I'm looking for a company that looks like this, smells like this, has a comp plan like this. The role would be like this. It's, it's hunting, not account management. Um, the more specific you can get, even though it's counterintuitive, you think about going really tight, Kevin, on what you're looking for is a problem. It actually opens up more opportunities for you because you get very specific and people go, ah, I know of a company that's just like that. Here's, here's, you know, where, where I direct you. Um, and I just helped another person help get a job recently using that very same exercise. Yeah. So the learning lesson is get clear on what you want next as a job seeker. Uh, and I learned that very, very clearly. And it allowed me to switch industries because I got really clear on what was important to me and what I was looking for. Uh, such a valuable lesson, right? Like, a, like an incredibly valuable lesson. And it's, it's funny that like I, I talked to, I talked to some of my friends and, and this is the time, you know, X amount of years in your career, you know, no one I know, none of my peer group is like entry level normally. And now there's this kind of like fear. Like I had a buddy who was in the mortgage industry and then he was trying to get into SaaS sales, but he's been, a, he's been a, you know, mortgage broker who's like make six figures and stuff like that for a few years now. And then he's thinking about coming into SaaS. He's like, well, I want to be a closer. I'm like, eh, maybe, maybe you can be a closer at the right company. Like you got to go find, maybe go find like a mortgage tech company, right? Like that, that idea of getting really specific sure. or real estate technology company where you can take your experience and then parlay that for a higher value 
as opposed to saying, I'll, yeah. I'll go to any SaaS company and you end up at like a, you know, geez, there's a million SaaS companies out there. You end up at a SaaS company that's doing deep marketing yeah. analytics for marketing operations platforms. And yeah. then you're like, you know, the CRO is yeah. like, look, you're really cool, but you're going to be an SDR. Like, <laughs> I don't care. Like, you, you got to start right. at the bottom of the totem pole again. That's right. So, I think I think so. And, and in fact, let me double yeah. down on that. Um, given this experience that I'm just I'm I'm explaining to you, I was making uh, like 120,000 bucks a year in the equipment leasing and finance yeah. space. And the opportunity that I took at the next company was target compensation of ninety thousand dollars. I was willing to thirty thousand dollar cut in pay, cut yeah. in pay. Okay, I was willing to do that. Now, the problem here with your mortgage broker, buddy, friend, is, is that he's anchored his income at this particular level. I suggest to you that you set up a cost structure in your household so that you can actually go to another opportunity. So hopefully he's not the one that's also then, you know, the mortgage broker that went and bought the Rolls Royce or the Lamborghini. Hopefully he's got a cost structure in his household so that you can, you can legitimately say to him, Kevin Hopkins say to him, Go take that SDR role, which by the way, SDR roles, 85,000 right. bucks. You can get, you get entry level SDR, 85,000 bucks with a nice healthy base salary. Um, and you can switch industries from the ever ebbing and flowing mortgage business into software as a service, which will, which will be the tons of opportunities available. Right. Um, but there's, there's people, Kevin, that don't think about, well, I'm worth this. I made this last year. I'm not going to take a cut and pay. Great. Well, then you stay in the mortgage yeah, business yeah. and 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 good luck yeah. with that. You know, good luck with that. But don't whine to me about wanting to switch industries, but then pegging your your income at such a high level that it makes it inflex and your cost structure inflexible to switch industries or try something, you know, something new. I took a thirty thousand dollar cut and pay. Why? <laughs> Because we lived well below our means and still and still do. Write that down. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that is a very solid financial advice tip. Although we are, you know, legal notice, we are not financial advisors. But li live below your means and save your money is is never never going to be considered bad advice. Um, cool. So I, I guess uh, yeah. I, I, now would be as good a time as any. I, I really want to hear. I really would love to hear the story of ZipRecruiter. Everyone who's listening to this podcast has heard of ZipRecruiter. Right, ZipRecruiter is one of the these companies that made a huge move into the B two C space, where they're doing advertisements everywhere on the NFL, blah 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 blah. So, how did you get involved with with this? Did, was it just destined to be that you know it's like, oh, we're looking for the best guy, let's bring in KG, and then it, it you know someone else determined this, or what was the story? I'm curious. It's all of the above, it, it, you know, Kevin. It's all it's all of the above, actually, and it's a true blessing. And and I'm forever grateful to have that that experience. That was my third exit in my in my career, the biggest for sure. Um, uh, this all goes down to people helping people, Kevin. I I have spent a career freely helping people out with no expectation in return. And there was a salesperson that worked for me. He's one of the worst salespeople I'd ever met in my entire life, but I treated him right. And I redeployed him into a different role when that company imploded. So that was not one of the success stories. When that company imploded, he went to another company, that other company that he went to, he worked for the CEO 
uh, who is a guy by the name of Jeff Zwelling. Turns out Jeff Zwelling was an early um, advisor or mentor to Ian Siegel, the CEO of ZipRecruiter. They're 49 employees and the, the four founders, including Ian Siegel, said, hmm, we have a hypothesis. What if we test out having inside salespeople uh, at, our, at our company? I wonder if that would be beneficial to us. And the moment he brought that up, he, he brought it to his, men, his mentor, Jeff Zwelling. And Jeff Zwelling talked to other friends of his, people that he was working with. And the guy that I had, the guy that I, the worst salesperson I ever met that had worked for him said, you have to talk to KG. He is the bomb. Huh. And so I met with Jeff Zwelling. Jeff and I had some drinks. We hit it off. And he then connected me to Ian Siegel. And, uh, and I started out as the 49th employee, zero salespeople. And uh, I had a lot of help from my friends. It wasn't just me, just to be clear. Like no, no company is built on one person's back. And if they ever say that, you know, that you've got a liar in front of you. But this was, this was a real build, man. Like this was an e-commerce company, four founders, a design guy, a product guy, and two engineers sitting around a kitchen table, building, building a bootstrap business, no funding, no VC, no nothing, um, and no investors. And, uh, and they kept testing things and it was an unbelievably, uh, unbelievable experience. Kevin, people say to me, it must've been so much fun being at ZipRecruiter and seeing it grow. I'm sure. I'm sure. And you know what the fun guys on the street words, is? Right? <laughs> it's not high on the list. Let me yeah. tell you that much. It is, it was hard every single day day. When you live in a world of constant optimization and every, we've got to improve, we've got to improve, we've got to improve, we've got to create these charts that go up and to the right. Um, uh, don't get me wrong. It was super satisfying. Fun's not a word I would use. There were fun times. There were fun times and there was, I mean, it was an unbelievable culture, the best culture I'd ever been a part of in my entire career. But it's extremely difficult on an on an everyday basis um, to build what we built from low twenty million dollars in revenue when I started to when I left it was like four hundred and some odd million dollars in in revenues, including an inside sales team that was three hundred and fifty people and an enterprise sales team that was um, about two hundred people, including all the different roles you know there from zero from zero it was but but it was it was hard. How long and did that take you, Kevin? Uh, I was there for seven and a half years. Okay. Seven and a half years. Um, COVID hit. And unfortunately, we had to lay off a bunch of people, as did many companies. Um, from what I understand, I don't know now, the sales team is uh, is back up to those pre, pre-COVID levels. So it's a very, it's a pretty sizable team. And from the very get-go, Kevin, I think one of the most important things your listeners can take out of this is that I had a theory that this company was going to be, that we were going to blow up, that we were going to blow up. I thought we were going to blow up. I always think that, by the way, (laughs) it's me being every startup. I'm like, I think we're going to blow up and then, you know, crash and burn. Um, This one, I thought we were going to. And so I just ran my playbook and and the playbook is rooted in um, scalable process. I made a shitload of mistakes. Don't get me wrong. But I I started building process from the very get-go, sales process, hiring process, um, and continue to focus on process. Why? Because the worst sales leadership job, Kevin, you can ever have is the one that you can never walk away from because everyone continues to look 
at you to make decisions and you're the bottleneck. And so I knew that if we blew up, I didn't want to be that bottleneck. And so, you know, the, a learning lesson uh, on how we, one of the ways that we became very successful is that we were very process, process driven, uh, procedure driven, checklist driven. Uh, and then of course, on the back end of all that metrics and data, data driven, where we were making decisions based on, you know, data, uh, in, in conjunction with our, with our experience, but there, there's so much more to be told. It was such a blessing, uh, you know, Kevin and not, not yeah. one person wasn't on the backs of one person. It was a, it was a team effort. And I, I feel truly blessed to have been there. For sure. For sure. What, one of the things I think is interesting. What about, else do you want to know? Keep, keep firing. Away, man. Well, what, um, so when you, when you joined, what was, uh, what was the company's valuation then? And what was it when it IPO'd? Well, it was, when it IPO'd, I think it was well over $2 billion. Um, and there was no valuation when we started because it was bootstrapped. <laughs> so there was no like, I mean, there was VCs that were poking wow. around and there was no discussion. Um, I think, I, I know in 2014, we had our Series A raise um, and it was like $65 million and it was like the largest uh, a round in LA his LA tech history or something. Like yeah, that. that's a. It's big. It was big. Like um, and that's a huge A round. Yeah. yeah. And at the time, again, that was two thousand. So I started in July two thousand thirteen. We did the raise, I think, in like October of two thousand fourteen. So a little over a year later, when we did that first raise, um, that A round raise, and um, I don't remember what the valuation was at that point in time. We had already gone. You know, when I started, it was like low 20 million of, of revenues, zero salespeople, large customer success team and engineering team, but still 49 employees. The valuation, no clue. When I started, no clue, <laughs> no clue. And I don't even remember it. Probably if we Google it, we could find out what that valuation was on the, on the, on the series A, but honestly, it wasn't a driver. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, every day we want to get 1% better. And, and so we were constantly tinkering and testing. I mean, that's when you got four founders where it's a design guy, a product guy and two engineers, all we're doing is tinkering and testing and optimizing. And it's, and it was, it was, and we started and we did that a lot with our sales team too. And that was, uh, that was really fun. Did I say fun? No, it's really hard. I, I can only imagine one of the other things, other interesting things to note there is in startups, there's generally when you get awarded equity, it's a four year vest. Sounds like I'm guessing you probably had a four year vest, but you stuck around afterwards after you were fully vested, had all of the, the shares that you were offered. So that that's kind of the sign that you were actually building something that you, you were proud of and that you enjoyed doing. There had to be an, an element of enjoyment in there. Yeah, it was the, the success was the enjoyment. That, that's, that's really the important point. I could look back and go, man, look at how those charts are going up and to the right. And my head count was going up and to the right. And I was learning. I was learning. I was already, you know, by that time, I was already, I don't even know, 18 years into my career or whatever the heck it was. And it was like, oh, my God, I was just the, the learning curve was just steeper than it ever had been, you know, before, because it was, it was like new territory, 50 salespeople, 75, 100 salespeople opening up a new location in, in uh, Tempe, Arizona, like a remote location. How do you, you know, how do you be a leader when I'm in Santa Monica and my sales team is being built, my, the rest of my sales team is being built in, 
in Tempe, Arizona. Just the learning curve was so, so steep. Now, Kevin, the way it works normally at companies that are giving out stock options is that they give it out to you in tranches and tiers because, you know, when you start, you get a block. But they want you to, if you're good, they want you to stay. So they start trickling and giving you more stock options as the years go on to top you off. So there's always something left. There's always something out there to where you think twice about leaving and you go, gosh, I, I mean, that's what golden handcuffs there's, I have so much stock op stock, like still waiting to vest that I'm never going to leave. And that's good news and bad news, Kevin. The good news yeah. is, is that it, it does create the right incentive for retent retention. It's bad news because at some, sometimes this wasn't my case. Sometimes people, they call it vesting in peace, vest, not resting in peace, vesting <laughs> in peace with a V is in Victor, um, vesting in peace. Cause they're just sort of like, eh, I'm just sort of, it's like quiet quitting. They're like, they're just sort of, they're just sort of like, I'm just going to do the minimum. Just so that I can yeah, get quiet through quitting. My, yeah, just so I'm just going to do the minimum so that I can get through right. my four year vest. I'm not going to go above and beyond. Not going to get fired. Just so, and then when I get to my four year vest, I'm fully vested. If they don't give me any more, boom, then I'm out of here. And so now you you can deal with people that are a little bit disengaged with that, uh, you know, with that process. But look, let it be a signal to you. <laughs> if if you're there for four years and they only give you one grant, you're not that valuable. <laughs> you're not that valuable right look that's that's really interesting advice i we don't i i've had a few people on this on the podcast that have had exits which is really cool but it's really rare to get advice from someone who's just you know kind of um been through a, a cataclysmic exit an awesome awesome multi-billion dollar yeah, exit. multiple congratulations multiple. last question for you kg we we gotta we gotta wrap this up. So I got last question for you, and I'm really curious to hear what your your answer to this one. So let's say you could go back to to young KG walking in with a full head of hair to his first sales job. What what's the one piece of advice you would give yourself if you could if you could say something back at the beginning? Kevin, you're, you're not you're going to be shocked. Um, a salesperson in Tempe, Arizona pulled me aside and asked me that exact same question. And he was like 26, 27 um, is like one of his first sales jobs. And without even thinking, I responded, I probably wouldn't have worked as hard as I did. I probably wouldn't have worked. I probably would have focused more on my family and my health and, uh, and, and, uh, my friends around me than working so hard and making the kind of sacrifices that I, that I did. And then I sort of had this out of body experience where I was like, wait, 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 what did I just say? Because I don't know if I would have been as successful <laughs> had I not done that. But, but I would certainly say to my 24 year old self, um, you can work hard, just set boundaries. You don't have to work that hard. You don't, you know, I don't have a crystal ball and I have no regrets, but I, but I would say, you know, spend that time developing your personal life. It's just as important. Uh, and, uh, and that, that's what I would tell my younger, my younger self and some of your younger listeners. I love that. Well, KG, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. An incredible learning experience. And I know that the listeners are going to be really happy about this. 
Can you, uh, how, how do people connect with you? How, how can they follow you? How can they learn from you? Yeah, multiple ways. Uh, you can always email me, kevingaither at gmail.com. As long as you can spell my name, it's easy to remember the Gmail address. Kevingaither at gmail.com is fantastic. Connect with me on LinkedIn, um, or you can connect with me on uh, on Twitter. My handle is Kevin S. Gaither, S is in Sam, Kevin, Ga- Kevin S. Gaither on, uh, on Twitter. Um, I love to help. Reach out, and, uh, and I'd be happy to spend some time with you. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Kevin. This was this was fun. Yeah, well, thank you. And for the listeners out there, Gaither is G-A-I-T-H-E-R, right? You got it, G-A-I-T-H-E-R. That's an, that's an important thing. People might, people might be pulling up their phone right now and say, oh, I got to check this guy out. So that's a, that's a good spelling for you. Well, well, KG, thank you so much, man. Let's keep in touch. You got it. If this episode is interesting to you, please share your thoughts on LinkedIn or Twitter. Tag me and I might just feature your post in an upcoming episode of the Sales Career Podcast. Or if you want to connect directly, go to hopconsultinggroup.com and we'll find a way to work together. Cheers.